0: Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour half hour podcast. This is episode 80. John and Wendy talk to Kalila Olkanolo. I'm your host John
1: and I'm Wendy. How's it going, John?
0: Wendy, I'm great. I am really excited to say that we have a new sponsor and a great yes. new partnership with our friends at Balance Track.
1: So excited about this. So excited.
0: A tremendous opportunity. We are going to be sponsored by Balance Track for the entire month of September.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For those of you that aren't familiar with Balance Track, they're an applicant tracking system provider that's out there. We had a chance to meet with their leadership team at Sherm National and have had okay. several conversations since. It's really excited because we think they're a great fit for us and a tremendous opportunity as a partner. I think what's going to be fun, Wendy, is not only are they sponsoring the show, they're also going to be our co-host for the monthly chat where we're going to talk all things applicant tracking systems, talent acquisition, really have fun to have a voice of someone that is out there working with people like us mm-hmm. to to have systems set up and be better at it. So we'll be doing yep. the chat with them and then we'll also put out a, a special episode with our friends there to talk a little bit more about what Balance Track's doing in the market. But Wendy, like I said, it's just a, a very exciting time. We're thrilled to have Balance Track on board.
1: Yes, definitely. I think uh, the conversation will be a lot of fun during the chat because we all love to talk about ATS systems.
0: <laughs> we do. We, we do. Well, again, you're going to hear more about Balance Track throughout the month. I'm extremely excited about tonight's guest. We are oh, going sure. to affectionately call her KO like most other people do. We had a chance to to see KO speak. Some of you may have, if you've listened to the show week to week, we had Ashley Valenzuela-Rissian on, and she talked about being on the panel with KO at HR Redefine. We talked a little bit about her in that episode with Ashley, and we had this tremendous opportunity to have her here tonight. I'm going to stop talking, Wendy. I'm going to let you make the introduction, and we will get started.
1: Yes. Super excited to welcome KO to the show. She was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. She spent much of her teens active on the streets of Brooklyn and Troy, New York. With what many view as the city's most notorious street gangs, Bloods, Crips, and Folks, she eventually faced the consequences of her activities and lost her name for four years to a Department of Corrections number. Throughout it all, Kayo remained adamant about the importance of education in her life and spent nights imagining the American dream she saw on TV. It didn't include a picket fence, but instead her dream was an opportunity to impact the lives of others. Today, K.O. is the VP of Human Resources for True Colors, where she is the force behind defining a company culture that drives both personal and professional growth. In her, quote, free time, K.O. is also an accomplished author, speaker, and core coach. She works with mission-minded women and builds people, processes, and strategy for organizations looking to to develop their teams and build culture. Okay, oh, welcome to the show tonight. Again, we are so excited to be able to chat with you. But our first question is, what's in your glass?
2: Uh, the question should be what's not in my glass, right? <laughs> <laughs> and when you say that, do you mean work, what's in my glass, or just in general? have
1: gotten that question more. For the most part, we do mean it literally, but you are oh, welcome to perfect. fill it figure- figuratively as well.
2: No, so what's in my glass? I I should say beer, but it's not, right? It's Yeah, <laughs> right? it's carbonated water. It's carbonated water with lime. I'm on that chip work now. Um kicking back from Diet Coke. So it's carbonated water and lime. That's what's in my glass.
0: We're gonna have to talk more about the beer later, yes. Kayle. I'm sure you're aware Wendy is a big fan of the microbrews. Uh-huh. you're working for a brewery. Let's talk let's talk a little bit more about that. So, you know, again, as Wendy mentioned in your bio, you know, you are very open about your past. Uh-huh. You know, talk a little bit about your journey from you know, losing your name to the Department of Corrections to now being a VP of HR with True Colors?
2: It happened by accident. I wasn't intentional on looking to get in the HR field, right? It's not really normal for someone who has a felony to actually try to go for a role like that. Um, Had a tough childhood, uh alcoholism in the home and I made some really tough decisions that I thought were my only decisions and that led me to the streets of Troy, New York. I did what people use the terminology, um, hustle. I, I knew how to start a street business and I did. You know, I sold drugs and um I was on my way back from out of town one day with a car full of drugs and I was pulled over with a guy that I was with and um we were arrested and they searched our house. They not only found drugs, they found weapons inside the house as well. I was sentenced to uh, for the life and I served every bit of it. When I came home, um, I didn't really know what I was going to do because that big checkbox. I was able to find a job, though, by running into someone who was in jail with me at Sprint. Well, a third party for Sprint, D.F. King. And I was able to get a phone job in sales. I actually got stuck in the elevator with the woman who ran the department. And um, after having a conversation with me, she decided to give me a chance and she hired me and uh, I became a star performer at that job. Actually, at that job is also where I met my husband. We've been married for 16 years now. I kept moving. I, I worked at Sprint and after Sprint, a lady that was coming into the prison to kind of teach us classes more on um, how to redevelop yourself, told me that she wanted to offer me a job at the Barry Mission Transitional Center. And so I took a job as her assistant, as the career center assistant director. And two weeks after I got there, she went out. She, she went out being sick. And I ended up having to take over the actual career development center. So it was there that I began to create programs, not just on how to get the job, but keep the job. And I was training 125 men reintegrating back into the community from homelessness, from prison and from drug addiction. And I knew what they were experienced because I had firsthand knowledge. My past was able to help me perform in my present. I worked that job for about five years and I was still dating that guy I met at Sprint and his company relocated him, went to North Carolina. He manages the global tech team for them from home. And uh, I ended up in Wilmington And when I came here, I I couldn't find a job either. Guys, it it was just really tough still having that felon on my record, even though it was years ago, 1997, I got that charge. Even though it was years ago, people... When you don't put a time limit on that question on the application, I still have to say yes, even though it may have been two decades ago or a decade ago. If it said seven years, I could say no. But because it didn't have any date here in Wilmington, I always had to say, yes, I was a felon. And so it was hard to get a job. The last position I held in New York City um, was with a man named David Warner International. It was an executive search firm in reverse. And while I'm talking about it now, I realize how my path was orchestrated in all these roles that helped lead me to where I am now. I ended up starting a business in Wilmington. And so for 10 and a half years, I was in actually a film and uh, event design. I worked on films like Mary and Martha, Iron Man 3, did large events for the, the Heart Association, for the Stardew Celebrity Golf Tournament, um, which was for Baseball Hall of Fame and Willie Starjo. And one day I had this epiphany, this awakening that I wanted to help win women develop themselves. And I just stopped. I closed my business. I was able to sell some contracts that I had left in it that still had five, six years on them. And I started doing small workshops for for women and people started booking me to come speak. And I was at this event in New York City for the Women's Venture Fund on a stage talking. And George Taylor, who is the founder of True Colors, was all the way in New York City as well. And I said, hi, George Kalila. I'm also from Wilmington. And we just had this conversation. We had dinner. We drank a beer. And he told me about this crazy idea that he had of starting his brewery with only active gang members. That conversation I had with him was the first time that I was able to expose myself and tell somebody in Wilmington, North Carolina, that I had a felony. Um, It was something that I was really ashamed about, that I didn't want to share because I had changed my life. I didn't come in through... The door of the hood that I was in when I got that felony. I came in through a different door. I was a business owner and I was in the prestige of events and I had these friends and I had this reputation to uphold. And so it wasn't something that I was really proud of. I still had shame. And when I had this conversation with him, I was able to find pride in the experience that I had experienced back then and how I could use it to help develop me to be a better person and possibly help someone you know, um, someplace else who also has gone through that situation. And so um, George didn't bring me on when True Colors started, um, which was in July of 2017. But in September 2017, he asked me to come teach a class for one day. And that's what I did. After I taught that's the guys, you know, thought, well, she's cool. Uh, maybe she could teach the rest of the classes, some classes this week. And so I came and I taught some classes more on personal development because it's a big focus in True Colors. And George asked me, could I put together kind of a little program for 40 days to see what would happen, and that's what we did. We put together a 40 day plan, and we took trips and experiences. Uh, I call them beyond the block experiences as part of my framework now. And at the end of that 40 days, um, we see where everybody was, and we promoted guys. Um, we made them jump out of airplanes as the initiation into true colors. I was still there. I wasn't HR though yet, even though I was doing all of the HR work. It wasn't until last year that I actually assumed the role of HR. My contract just kept getting renewed. And finally, George asked me, Hey, are you going to leave or are you going to stay? I was like, I think I'm going to stay here. You know, I'm not going anywhere. I could, I can't really see myself not a part of what's happening at True Colors. I'm so passionate about the work. And so I was able to take on the role with them as their VP of HR. It was director of HR when I started. I've moved up to VP of HR since then. And, um, it's not easy because there's still some things that I'm learning. I did go back to school after I got that felony. You know, I have I I am college educated. I've taken tons of shone classes. I'm going for my um, certification in December. I've grown to love and have a passion for people ops and uh, specifically for working with these high risk people that I get to serve every day at True Colors.
1: I love your story. You can just see the trajectory and watching you or listening to you tell the story as you were able to find that footing despite the roadblocks that you came upon. A, such a great story. We appreciate that. And hearing it again was is fantastic. So let's talk a little bit more about true colors um, and not just because <laughs> I like beer. You know, you're doing more than just brewing beer. You're helping people reestablish their lives within um, the community and, and despite mistakes that they may have made. But you're also and building that culture. So tell us more about your culture, um, fascinated by it and how you keep true to it.
2: It's a culture of community. If I had to define it professionally, I call it a community-centric culture. And that means that, you know, I'll provide an experience before the guys actually get in the building. I'm already connected to them. I'm continuing that connection while they're inside of the building. Um, we are extremely focused on that initial conversation because that initial conversation gives us a opportunity to begin to build trust. And so inside of True Colors, I've developed something called True Com- Community. And where What that does is it helps me push down positive performance, not just from the department heads, but from the guys for each other, because that's the goal that we're not just giving them a job and an opportunity, but we're teaching them to do something new. And we want them to be able to teach the peers that they actually work with in their affiliation, something new as well. And so in True True Community, we're really big on competition, on content, and on context and communication, like I said before. So every month, there's a, a tribe competition and, and if I could back up we've split two colors up. The guys inside the building are split up into two different tribes. So it's like I develop my own games in the building, right? And right, and they elect, a, <laughs> they elect a head coach. And so the person that they elect as head coach is the one that's responsible for in their play sheets. And their play sheets are all about performance. Like what's your supervisor giving you for your performance week this week? What things are you work, working on in your personal development that I can add points to? And that is our four core which is Money, Housing, Transportation Relationships. So our guys submit these play sheets on a monthly basis. And as opposed to getting points, you get community cash. And we name people bowlers of the quarter because that means that they perform the best in their roles. And they won these competitions. And competitions are built not just to compete, but to bring our guys out their comfort zone some more. So they're not playing basketball, they're kayaking right? They're not on the football playing flag football. Our guys are deep sea fishing or they're riding horses. They're getting these experiences that help reinforce some of the conversation that we have and some of the lessons that we teach in formal classroom training. So True Colors culture is one of community. And we do that because gang culture is about community. It's pushed down performance. There's always a headship and there's people that's underneath them. And what I learned in doing research is that they care about a few things passionately. They care about their loyalty to their gang. They, they're loyal to their community. And um, they're loyal to the people that's directly connected to them, their mom and their dad. And so I just took what I knew that they were passionate about in gangs and in their life. And I formulated it into a community culture in True Colors. And so I've adapted some of that gang culture and what we do with that competitive spirit. We still compete to see who's the best, but we do it positively this time. And, um, we give experiences in the process. And so we just don't have stand up like a monthly meeting to talk about what's happening in the company. Every third Thursday, I'll stand up is a community gathering and somebody's in the kitchen and they're making d- dinner so that we can sit down and have a conversation. It's ongoing. And so every week I'm building out a culture calendar and those things are strategic. I'm having somebody to come in to talk about credit. I'm having a sports competition. I'm having a team dinner. I'm having stand up. Hey, I have mixed drink Monday where HR gets behind the bar and we make mixed drink. And so and so uh, inside of True Colors, we just made it into uh, I won't say a big happy family because, you know, there's a lot of things that we have to work on and that I'm still learning from. But it's a community of culture. Community-centric culture where we we provide an experience before you get in the building, and even if it doesn't work out in the building, we stay co- connected to you afterwards as well. And in the process, we make sure that we engage and we do those, we do the, we do that by constantly having a conversation with you, making sure that we keep that competitive spirit alive, that thing that keeps your adrenaline pumping, and that makes you want to come back because you want to prove that you have something in you, you know, over and over again. And it's just the nature of who our guys are.
0: K.O., there's been a real push, particularly with Sherm, of late when it comes to second chance hiring and opportunities for those that have had issues in their past. And I know a lot of our peers struggle with pushback and, you know, in the organizations they work in potentially to identify those types of candidates that are looking for second chances. You know, what advice would you give to your peers when it comes to working through that pushback and how do we navigate that?
2: That's a good question. It's a tough one too. You know, it's difficult sometimes for people to let go of their biases, you know, uh, especially in pursuit of things like equality. But also we want to look for the best candidate, right? I always suggest that you create an open hiring strategy. And what that is, is that you create an onboarding experience that everybody has to go through. And if they make it through, you're willing to give them an opportunity. But the onboarding process shouldn't be easy. It shouldn't be something that everybody can make it through. And it should be clearly uh, created around your company's mission, around your company's focus, and the industry that you're in and the job role that that person is applying for. If I can connect that with what we do at True Colors, our onboarding is eight weeks. Right. And every week you have to be there on time. You have to inject positivity. You have to do what you say you're going to do. And if you don't make it through those eight weeks, we don't hire you either. I say create an open hiring strategy. You know, it's OK for HR to be strategic, to create a plan and present and to show how it can possibly um, generate income you know, because there are some tax breaks when hiring felonies, but also how it can benefit them when you, people in prison, they receive training that may be transferable to the job. You know, they're more committed. They'll stay with you longer because you gave them an opportunity. And people who have been incarcerated, you know, um, value their jobs when they get hired because they look at it as an opportunity for a second chance and they become committed to the people, the person or the organization that was willing to give them that second chance. So I would tell HR to create an open hiring strategy to show the pros, right? Don't be afraid to show the cons but also show how the cons can also become pros and present that to upper management it's okay for you to put something in place to see if it works you don't have to do a large hiring of a group of felons but it's okay to maybe try one and um i have a client if i could mention that that actually did that tried one and now it's something that they're intentional about doing because those skills are transferable because they're more committed and because um they show more, they show value in the job that they have because they wouldn't have got the opportunity otherwise.
1: I like that advice. Just try it. Try one and and keep trying. Just keep going. You're going to find the right right person each time. I think.
2: Yeah. Um, And you just don't know. It's like any hiring process. I mean, you don't know if the person without the phone is going to be the right hire because, hey, Mm -hmm. you guys are in HR, you know that you always take a chance. And so, (laughs) so you just don't know. And you exclude exactly. that information you know like i mean since the checks box is going away and a lot of uh, with a lot of companies you exclude that information and you look for the person that may have the skills that you're looking for uh without that information available to you i actually look for reentry program alumni when i'm hiring for true colors i'm intentional on seeking these people out because i know it sounds crazy cuz i want to see what they have you know, they, they have skill sets that I may be able to use. I mean, listen, guys, I go fill out an application. And if, if you don't hire felons from any distance or from any time span, then I can't work for the company. And that's the, that's the thought. That's the conversation is that you use clear examples of individuals that people may know that have not have been successful, but, but the, that work hard and that's passionate about the work that they're doing and that's committed. And you use that and you weigh that example against the conversation of no. And, you know, and, and, and most higher ups are willing to shift or to take a chance. You know, I've had a couple companies that were willing to take that chance. And sometimes the women that I'm talking to or the men in HR use me as an example. I mean, and, you know, I I, I won't say I don't I like it or I don't like it, but they use me as an example to say, hey, you know, KO is a felon. And that sounds weird. I mean, that sounds crazy saying, but I am right. I'm a felon, but I, I, I reenter. Yeah. You know, I refine, I educate it and I'm continuing to pursue mm-hmm. and I'm passionate about the work. True colors wasn't my first job. You, you, you become more committed in the work that you're doing because you know that you can make a difference. You're conscious. It's like those conscious companies, you know, where you, you want, you, you're passionate about the work. You want to get something done. You're willing to do everything that you can to get it done. Um, and you don't want anything to limit you, but there is always something that can. And it's that background.
1: So KO, you consult with small businesses on their HR and business operation. What's the biggest issue you see your partners dealing with day to day? And how do you help them address that issue?
2: The culture is not aligned with the employee needs. <laughs> it's just yeah, true. The, the culture is not aligned with the employee needs. It's based on it's difficult to have a culture that senior level executives are not. It's what they want, but it's not what the company needs. You know, it's a lot of things. sometimes the uh, senior management of the company, you know, don't have that much experience on that ground level with the individuals that, that are coming in every day working at the desk. And so they assume what the company needs based on strategy, but people ops has to be part of that strategy. And so it 's a big issue for a lot of the companies I serve. you know I was reading something the other day, and it says that there's a lot more to fill in the job opening. you know people ignore the attraction stage that 's what happens is when people are hired in the company um because the culture is not made to fit the needs of the people there, they ignore that attraction stage that that those first couple of weeks where people come in they're extremely excited to be a part of the company that they're in. But if the culture is not created appropriately' it's not right, then they often become discouraged. And they start rethinking whether they want to be there or not. And so you have to create culture so that it aligns with the employee needs. And you do that by surveying what the employee needs are, by listening to your um, your uh, managers, your department lead leaders, you're seeing what they want. And by using that data, that data will help you create strategy on what to do so that you can keep your employees happy.
1: Yes, I like that. <laughs> Go to your employees to find out what your culture is.
2: <laughs> yeah, surveys is important, and you know, Wendy, I know you, yeah. you know this. Like people value that you value the opinion. You know, it's big mm-hmm. it for us. You know, with, with my guys, I serve. I survey the mess out of them, right? <laughs> because, you know, like, and that's because I believe in multiple touch points, and I believe that to incorporate engagement tactics. You know, you it needs to be done in each and every post, and so I'm using questions, polls, quizzes, fill in the blanks. I'm photo sharing with them to encourage comments. And so I want their feedback and I'm using that feedback so that I can help make decisions in the company. Through that data, I know that if one of my guys is not communicating for two weeks, I have to go find him because that means he's not connecting. Right. And so I use that data to help institute new programs, um, new ideas. Companies need to do, do the same. If they're looking, you know, to build culture that aligns with the employee needs, then they need to listen to the employees. And that comes through surveying.
1: Your staff, they don't sit at a computer all day long. What do you use to survey?
2: We use so everything. So um, for an example, it may be. Yeah, we use everything to survey. So right now I'm working on IAPs and true code is a little bit different. So we're not just doing professional development. I'm also doing personal development for our guys because stability is a big thing. And if stability is not right, it often translates into the building. So I'm connecting with resources mm-hmm. for my money, housing, transportation, and relationships. We want them to be stable outside, so that they can be successful inside as well. And so I'm surveying, you know, um, uh, creative ideas that I may use to help uh them understand credit repair. Or I'm surveying how did they like this last event that we we did. I'm surveying, um, hey guys, this is what we're thinking about um the 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 layout for this office space that we're currently in. Give me your feedback or, hey, guys, our new health and wellness program is not going to be gym focused. We're thinking about adding some programs at the why. what do you think? And so I'm getting their feedback on all these things. I'm using Slack through it. I'm using mobile apps. I'm using just basic text messages because our guys, you're right, are not just in the building. Some of them are in the field as well. And they're responding and they're responding because their voices are being heard. And it's important that people feel valued in the workplace.
0: We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast is brought to you by Balance Track, the talent acquisition system of choice for federal contractors and companies in the manufacturing, transportation, and franchise industries. Balance Track has helped companies across the nation hire smarter and hire better. Balance Track is built and backed by Berkshire Associates, a company where HR people and technology people work together to build easy to use HR solutions. Balance Track is the latest innovation: better pricing, better implementation, and better results for your recruiting. Right now, listeners can schedule a personal demo of Balance Track at balancetrack.com/social. Again, go to balancetrack.com/social to schedule your demonstration today. Thanks again to Balance Track for sponsoring the HR Social Hour half-hour podcast. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back. It is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show the Half Hour Question Connection. KO, who was your first professional mentor and what was the most important thing you learned from them?
2: Man, it was this crazy British guy named David Werner. <laughs> and I worked for him in New York City at David Werner International. It was an executive search room in reverse. His, um, I think the most important thing that I learned from him is he, I remember one day he said, Hey, you need to always become the competition. I was like, what does that mean? He was like, learn to compete against your last achievement. Always strive to do better. And that has helped me in everything that I do. Not that, you know, we are all our own worst critic, but I know that I can do better, you know, through educating myself and through pursuit. So become your own competition.
0: Who's one person you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know?
2: Oh, man, I met this amazing young late lady. Her name is Valerie Miller. She is the director of people, resources and operations for a company called Sustainable Brand. I was able to go out there and speak at their conference. And they um, have been around since I think about 2006 or seven. And they have this goal to inspire and engage business leaders who see social and environmental challenges as drivers of innovation and positive impact and so they have this community of companies that are mission-minded. They're all virtual, and so her job is not easy. You know, She's managing a team that's completely virtual, remote, and she's passionate about the work, and she loves to stay connected. I think that she's someone everybody should know.
1: If you could go back to the start of your career, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself based on what you know now?
2: Oh my goodness, slow down. Yeah, slow down and listen more. When I first restarted my career, I felt like I had to always go and always do. So I would look back and tell myself to slow down and listen more, listen to the people that were trying to tell you that it was okay to take take things in paces and not try to take on a whole platform at once. I think that by doing that, it would have helped me I don't think I would be farther along, but it would have helped me acquire more of the information that I'm going back to look at now. And so it would just be to slow down. You know, it's okay to do things at pace and not to try to burn yourself out because you need to know.
0: K.O., how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community?
2: Can y'all tell me how to give back to the HR community? (laughs) Doing this. (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So this is great. Yeah. Podcasting. I, I help some nonprofits with you know, developing some worksheets, interview prep- questions and strategy, you know, for their particular organizations. Um, I really haven't been able to give back any other way, but I'm seeking ways to try to get more involved in the HR community. HR Redefined was my first HR conference. And uh, yeah, it was my first conference. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to go. HR stuffy. What? I don't want to go. And I went. And so I'm looking to to connect more with people. I met tons of people like you and Wendy and other people at the conferences I've been going to. So I'm looking, you know, to find ways to give back. Yeah. Open to it. I
1: think we'll have to make some connections for you. Get you at some more conferences talking. Kale, what's your favorite movie?
2: Oh my goodness. I have to pick one. It's going to be Thor, right? Big, big Marvel fan. So it's going to be Thor, my favorite, (laughs) favorite, all the way, I'm the girl in the theater <laughs> at 11.59 with the T-shirt on, screaming. The family doesn't come with me at all. They refuse to sit next to me in the theater when it's a any Marvel character film. They just sit in the second <laughs> row while I'm in the first row because I'm screaming, i yelling, I'm shouting. And so, yeah, it's definitely Thor, favorite movie of all time.
1: What did you think of, uh, of Fat Thor?
2: Oh, my goodness. I was so mad they did that to him. <laughs> I mean, it kind of spoiled it, right? I mean, let's be honest. We weren't used to seeing him like that. I still love him, right? But no, yeah. I wasn't used to seeing him like that. The, you know, so. It was a bit of a shock. It was, a big shock.
0: How about your favorite musician or band?
2: We're talking R&B singing. I'm going to say Michael Jackson. But if it's musician of all time, you know, I'm from Brooklyn. I got to take it all the way back to hip hop and say Biggie Smalls. And so um, he's my favorite musician of all time. I still listen to him today. I think everybody has that song that they go to to get them pumped up. And so he has one of those songs for me. Every time I start my day, I'm throwing on some Biggie Smalls, some hip hop, and I'm jumping up and I feel like Rocky, <laughs> right? Like I'm about to get in the ring. And so, yeah, big Biggie Smalls.
1: How about a favorite TV show?
2: Favorite TV show? Ironically, I'm going to say Jailbreak. <laughs> <laughs> So it was so well done. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it was so well done. Well written show. Um, And so it was about two brothers and one, you know, was really clean. He went in to break his brother out because he was framed, but he was an architect and he tattooed his entire body with the whole plan. It was in code. And so it was just a really well done film, um, well, TV show. And so um, I can watch it over and over again. I was sad to see it go.
0: KO like you my family doesn't like to sit with me at the movies at the comic book movies as a comic book nerd who's been reading this stuff for years when thor got the got the hammer yeah. in, or I'm sorry rather the the when they when they made stormbreaker yeah. in the in the infinity war yeah. i was the only person in the audience that made a noise when they were announced, when the elf said what he was making, I lost my mind because
2: yes. was crazy. So you know, I think that we need to go to the movies together. Then. That's what that means. I'm happy to do that.
0: I'm happy. I'm all look. I am happy to do that. I yes. I like I said. My wife moved about three <laughs> seats over. My son was in the uh, was in the theater on the other side. And he's like, Dad, I know that was you. And I'm like, Yes, you, of course you do because you know your old man has been following the stuff forever. If you're not watching Thor or not listening to Biggie or watching Jailbreak, what else do you like to do outside of work?
2: Oh, man, I love going to eat different places. I have these dining experiences with women every month. It's kind of a way to get them out and to connect. And we eat at different restaurants. Love hanging with my family. I'm a mom of four, two older kids, um, two younger kids. We kind of took a break and love hanging with them, whether it's just at home watching the movie or we're reading books. We have this monthly Barnes and Nobles one that we all do, where we go to Barnes and Nobles, we grab a book. And when the month is over, we get to kind of sit around the living room and talk about it. And I'm really involved in my church. I love to give back. And um, I love being involved in something that is positive and powerful at the same time.
1: All right. Final question, KO. If you weren't in the HR profession, what do you think you'd be doing professionally?
2: Huh, I'd probably still be training someone, somewhere, anyone, people, animals, right? <laughs> I'd be training. <laughs> I would be training. I would be training by day. But at night, I would probably be a fried chicken whisperer. I have this thing that I travel to try fried chicken. <laughs> right, I know it's so funny. I have this thing where I travel to try fried oh chicken, guys. And I go to restaurants all over the place. And I know I'm looking for crispy and tasty and... So I would be a trainer by day and a fried chicken whisperer by night. I love it.
0: (laughs) KO, I have to tell you that fried chicken whisperer we have not gotten yet. So kudos to you. That is probably my new favorite (laughs) job that that we don't have anybody doing. We're glad, though, that you are practicing HR Mm -hmm. because if you weren't, we probably wouldn't have this opportunity to talk to you tonight. Again, uh, it's been, it was an absolute joy to hear you mm-hmm. speak at HR redefine and hear about all the amazing things you're doing and, and the fact that you're willing to share your story with us mm-hmm. and our listeners, incredibly yeah. appreciative of that. For those folks that aren't connected with you out there on social media, now that they've heard you and they want to, what's the best way for them to reach you?
2: So I do have a website. It's my first and my last name.com. So it's Kalila com. I'm also Kalila equips. Everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat.
0: We will have all that in the show notes. Wendy, how about you? What's the best way for the listeners to find you?
1: Best way is on my blog, My Daily Journey. Daily is Diaz and Dog, A I L E Y. And of course, the fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter as part of our monthly Twitter chat. And definitely join us in September for that chat as we will be chatting with Balance Track on ATS. How about
0: you, John? Easiest way to find me, HRSocialHourPodcast.podbean.com. Click on the left-hand side, top of the screen. You'll see three the lines. Open them up. You'll see access to all my social accounts there, and you'll find access to all our shows. If there are episodes you haven't heard, like Ashley uh, Valenzuela-Larissian or any of these folks that we've talked to before that, that you're not familiar with, take a listen, download, rate, review, share. That's all we can ask. We continue to appreciate mm-hmm. you helping boost the signal. Thanks again to Balance Track. Really excited about this relationship that we have started. And, and this is a great kickoff to the month of September for us. So thank you again, Balance Track. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour podcast, I'm John.
1: And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect.
0: Give back. And network. network. Take care, everybody.
1: We'll see you soon.